0: London is not just some city. Its spirit stands outside of time. Certain places have influenced its citizens. It is not only a setting, but a presence, a character in various films, novels and poems. My name is Philip Röttgers and I search for London's spirit. Follow me into a secret world. Follow me to London beyond time and place. This podcast is based on my YouTube series, Talks Beyond Time and Place. Yeah. Hello everybody to Talks Beyond Time and Place. Uh, my name is Philip Röttgast and my guest today is uh, Camilla Oliveira, I think. I think I pronounced it correctly. Just correct me if I was wrong. And uh, Camilla is my guest today because uh, we both share an interest in William Blake. And uh, we both are proc folk heads in musical terms. And uh, we like the same kind of music. And this combination is basically the reason why uh, Camilla is my guest today. And uh, Camilla is a Blake researcher from Brazil, and uh, she's specialized in Blake and music. And uh, in her PhD thesis, she discusses Blake's reception in the 20th and 21st century in popular music. Um, And because of this, she has been conducting Interviews with musicians inspired by Blake's works uh, By Blake's work, sorry, for example Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden, uh, Tim Blake, Gordon Giltrap, and Ed Sanders And uh, she's also a translator Uh, She translated the lyrics of Dreath Hotel's Thick as a Brick 2, Part 2, into Portuguese And now she's working on the translation of Jerusalem, Blake's magnum opus uh, to Portuguese So welcome Camilla I mentioned that you're writing your PhD on William Blake and on popular music, and I think this is an intriguing topic. So maybe you can tell me a bit why and how you you got interested in Blake, how and when this all started.
1: Uh, first thing I was skipping classes in the library it was something very common because I studied in a technical school and I was not technical at all. I didn't like the whole you know, hard science and it was quite uh, challenging for me and I've I've always been a literature and arts person so it was very natural um very common to find me in libraries and in the school library because I was always there and not where I was supposed to be and uh, Uh, that's how I found <laughs> and that's how I found Blake. I was, you know, looking for uh, some literature to read, and I found a, a book in a in a black cover. I I think I have this in here.
0: You can show uh, it. It's a
1: it, yes, it's a Brazilian trans, uh, edition. Um, it's a bilingual edition, and you can find, you know, the original, and the the, the translation. At the time, I spoke no English. Okay. So. It was um, quite challenging for me to, you know, to understand the original, and but I, I, I could perceive then some, some music, some sound, even if I wasn't able to pronunciate it, to understand it. But the translation helped, and I was, um, I was completely in love with what I found there, and that's how it's, it all started, and. And that's when I decided to learn English by myself. So I bought myself a dictionary, and I was wow. trying to translate it, the poems myself. Of course, it was you know the translation was awful, but <laughs> the, that's how it started. And I I I left my hometown to go to São Paulo to study with uh, some Blake specialists there, and. You know, that's, that's the story. That's the beginning of the story. And since my undergraduate and, and postgraduate, I focused uh, on, on Blake. In the beginning, it had a more um, mystical approach, so to speak. So I wanted to, to read him through that sort of mystic, mystical key. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, I ended up focusing on music, especially because it's also one of my Greatest passions. I'm, 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 a, you know, I'm a prog head. I'm a folk rock head. So, uh, I decided to combine two of my passions, and that's how I ended up uh, writing, um, you know, my masters and my PhD on on Blake on, and music.
0: I think this is a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful combination, and um, yeah, I like the, I, I like the idea uh, very much so so how and and when exactly did you did you say this is going to be my phd was there some some key moment where you said i'm going to write a phd about this combination blake and music
1: well to tell you the truth i maybe there was something but I, i i can't really remember something specifically but what I can tell you is that I could see, not uh, I was able to to perceive somehow that in rock music, some of the things that Blake said in his poetry, in his literature, resonated uh, uh, with uh, the music I listened to. So uh, it was a very um, powerful combination, and I. I could see that uh, it wasn't an accident that I yes. I liked that sort that kind of music and I liked Blake. And that's when I started my investigation to see, you know, if they, if if musicians have set Blake to music. And I found plenty of them. And I was really amazed. I was shocked by by the number of, of, of compositions, of settings. Uh, some direct uh, um d- directly inspired but like some more indirectly but he's always there i think his values i think his um his theories yes. if we can call them theories they, they you know they all there
0: yes yes i agree i was also astonished when i did a bit of, of research for our talk i looked at so so who exactly incorporated his his ideas and, and in, into music or who was influenced by blake and i was really surprised i mean I, I know a lot of artists and and musicians who are influenced by him but i was surprised at the, at the the number of musicians that i didn't know about and that i do listen to and it's the same with me i thought yeah it's, it's these ideas this is why i like this kind of music and this is why i like blake and and his his poetry his ideas his engravings it, it fits together and it's nice It's 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 a good Yes.
1: For example, for example, I I have read somewhere that you published a book on Genesis. Am I oh, yes. correct?
0: That's, yes.
1: That's true. But yes, just to you know to give you uh, an example of of this sort of, um, of presence of Blake in music. In in ready, there there is some reference to to Jerusalem and Didos yes. feet in ancient times. So, you know, everywhere you look, you can find something for um. Um for example, the poet and the painter casting shadows on the water, thick as a brick one, so mm-hmm. you, you know the poet and the painter. yes, I think I think it's a reference to Blake, though know, you, you can't find many uh, people what poet and painter
0: That's at true. once, and That's I true. think
1: it's 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 Blake's very case and yeah.
0: you could ask Ian yes. Anderson if it if it is uh, a reference to Blake.
1: Yes, I will, I will. <laughs> I heard that he's not, he's not that, that passionate about Blake, okay. but uh, some others, some others are openly, uh, yeah. uh, openly passionate about Blake, and yeah. I've, uh, there is a very interesting book I want to show you. Yes. This, um, this is a catalog of an exhibition in, uh, in the U.S., and um and this book is very nice because you can see that there's a long, very long text about uh, the influence of Blake in the counterculture in in the beat generation in, you know, in the 60s and 70s. Yes. And there are lots of references to, to musicians like Hendrix, Jim uh, Morrison, and... You know, Crosby, Steven, Ash, So everybody was pretty much into Blake by then. Bob yes. Dylan himself. So there are some, you know, some subtle and some other more clear references to, to his poetry. Yeah. But Bob Dylan is is was one of the, you know, of, of, of the most influenced by Blake. But he's not very keen to admit it. I yes, think.
0: I've, I've read that. We'll come to him in a minute. Uh, what, what's the book called? can can you can you tell oh it's better?
1: um it's william blake and the age of aquarius this oh, yes. this has been one of the most helpful books for me and yes it's, i believe it's that. fantastic it covers a, a lot of, okay. of, of
0: of things yeah we'll talk about the the beat generation and, and the the 60s rock movement in a minute but you already mentioned and did those feet in in ancient time uh, which is also yeah, most mostly famous because it is kind of an became kind of an unoffic- unofficial uh, national anthem, uh, national uh, anthem for Great Britain. At least the Hubert Perry version of the song uh, was this the first musical uh, interpretation of Blake, or was there one before?
1: No, it wasn't the first. I think the first one dates uh, from uh, eighteen seventy six. But there is a, a Blake scholar um carrie davies he Mm -hmm. traced an an even older one um i can't remember the year exactly but the first one registered in this book let me see if i can find it it's lovely to have you in
0: front of your library there (laughs) you can pick up oh yes that's the the best
1: place to be actually and this is blake set to music oh yeah this is a a very very interesting book. It's a catalogue with you know, uh, with a list, a long list of, of of songs inspired by Blake's poems, and it's mostly classical, you know, class uh, classic music here. Mm-hmm. So um, I, so that's when I that's where I found that the the earliest setting is from uh, eighteen seventy six. But oh, yeah. um, okay i don't know how accurate it is as i told you this uh this scholar found something even older mm-hmm. but what really um what really led me to to write about or i'm writing at the moment about this sort of recent influence of blake on popular music is the very fact that this uh this book this blake set to music most of the songs listed here they are you know they're, they're classic music they're not Mm-hmm. Uh, popular music so I think there is a, a, a turning point and uh, basically I think around the 60s that yes. uh, he starts uh, to be quite popular among pop musicians rock musicians and uh, it's it's a movement it's a you know it's a movement that's still going on it's and yes. and in the, in the last couple of years in the last 30 years he has become even more popular but of course it, you know there are lots of factors involved i think the fact that for example you you can uh, record something and and put on facebook or put on the on youtube on yeah. bandcamp spotify so there are so many platforms that you can just record something and yes. you know so i think things are very easy in that sense so i think that's also uh, a factor that contributes uh, to this sort of um, increase, the escalation yes. right in the number yes. of, of, of of songs. Definitely, nowadays. yes,
0: yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think Blake even sang some of his poetry himself. He, he, he I think he viewed himself as a bard. Yes. Sometimes he, he he did. I think he played to to some of his songs didn't Alan ginsberg say yes. something like that i mean he also played played Blake's songs i think or, or tried to play, yes he like,
1: said about wow, this is the album you know i've got everything here great great <laughs> so this is the album um, oh yes songs of innocence and experience i i i read somewhere that he set all of them but here you, you know you can't find all the 54 i think okay. is it 54 but uh so but but i heard that he set all, all of them uh, later on so yes this is the album and i also uh, i i also read that bob dylan played with him a couple of of, of songs he didn't record them but i think you know they okay. eventually played together
0: yes I've, i i read that too um that they that they did two songs together and i th- i think um Bob Dylan, Here, he also did a song later, in, in the 80s, uh, called Every Grain of Sand, which is also a reference to Blake, I think, but... Uh, yes, yeah,
1: Visions of Johanna, yes, also, and the most recent song, I don't know if you're familiar with, I Contain Multitudes. There mm-hmm. is a reference to Blake Blake is mentioned in in the lyrics too. Okay. And there is another one uh, from the album Tempest if, yes, you, if I'm I have, correct. Mm-hmm. I uh Roland John that yes. he that he quotes uh Tiger Tiger burning bright or something. Yes, you're right. Not not the whole poem but a couple of lines.
0: Just the Yeah, yeah, you're right. Now as you say it, I yeah. Yeah, I've 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 listened to the album quite a lot when it came out and I remember now, as you say it, yeah. So, what do you think someone like like Bob Dylan or the whole folk rock movement could identify with with someone like like William Blake and his ideas?
1: Well, in folk music, I think that because Blake Blake's poetry, especially his lyrical poetry, it, it embodies the the, the balladry, you know, this this sort of atmosphere, because songs of Innocence and Experience, uh, the poems are very idyllic, but at the same time, they're also very critical. And, you know, we, the 60s is uh, when you have protest songs. So mm. I think he combined those two forces um, beautifully. And it's, I think that's probably why he, um, he captured
0: this, uh, this, you know, this genre, this segment. I think so too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Blake was against... Yeah, it's, it's basically the same ideas. He was against monarchy and, and he liked the spirit of the French Revolution. And when he lived in Soho, the, the Gordon riots took place in London and he witnessed them. He was against industrialization and, and uh, against social injustices. Which can all be
1: yes, and yes, and one of the one of the lines of of, of you know that I'm trying to you know, to build in the, in the thesis is that uh, it's uh, I'm trying to associate Blake's reception, literary reception, uh, to this uh, mu- to his musical reception because, yes. uh, for example, that's around that time that we have books like this, like uh, Blake's Prophet Against Empire by David Erman, very up to date. And Jacobs Bronowski, um, a man without a mask, and mm-hmm. we also have this one, William Blake and the Age of Revolution. Yes. So one yes. of my you know one of my theories is that the publication of all these books in the fifties, um, mid uh, late forties, mid fifties, I think in a way uh, it had some influence on this sort of uh, new perspective of Blake because we had just the mystic poets the, definitely, the, definitely. the you know the, the, the visionary the, and the mystic poets and then um, some you know some scholars come up with the idea that wow well, he's not only this, he's also that. he's, he's also, also a revolutionary. So yes. I think that this this combination of the mystic and the revolutionary is very powerful. In that time, in that particular time, so Definitely. I think that's uh, that's basically what made him so appealing.
0: Yeah, yes, I agree. I agree d- uh, very much with that. It's it's all the uh, ideas and uh, w- so was was the 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 beat poets were the beat poets of the nineteen forties and fifties were they they uh, the 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 main reason or were they the ones that introduced Blake to 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 later generations like Bob Dylan and the '60s rock mu- movement.
1: Yes, William Burroughs, I think, was the, the was the one who introduced uh, Blake to to Allen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac and the likes, because I think he was uh, a bit older than them, and he mm-hmm. studied in Harvard, if I'm not mistaken, and he had access to Blake in in the university. So the, I think the, the, there is this sort of closeness. I, that's. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm trying to to think in, in in my thesis is that this sort of this black scholarship and black um, reception in you know in a bit generation is pretty much connected uh, to the academy because uh, those guys are, you know this uh, the beginners of, of these movements they 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 you know they studied in university so I think that as um, the acceptance of Blake universities, and you know, when he started being studied more seriously mm. in universities, I think it affected his music reception. And I think that, that the figure of William Burroughs represents this sort of uh, the, the two the, the the two atmospheres, the two um, you know, these two worlds.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I think so too. So. Um so we we have the, the the radical ideas of of blake uh as we just mentioned and and they they fit perfectly to the to to the ideas and the movements of the, of the 1960s and and then there was uh for example the the band the doors and and they exactly. they are named after uh after the doors of, of perception after Aldous huxley's book uh, the doors of perception uh which itself derived from blake's from a line of, of Blake's The Marriage of, of uh, Heaven and Hell. So, uh, no. and then they have, um, I think they have three lines of Auguries of Innocence in, in End of the Night, which I, when I found this out, I thought, oh, this is, I've listened to the first Doors record for decades, basically. No, not that, but for years now. And and I, I never noticed until I read it. And I thought, oh, this this fits perfectly. So, uh, someone like Jamar- There is
1: another one. And there's another one I think you, uh, lost girl, or something like this, yes, because I think it's, it's a girl. reference to yeah. Little Girl Lost, right? Um, yes. Your lost
0: yeah. little girl, and your lost
1: little
0: girl, yeah. So someone like like Jim Morrison, um, they, I think there there also comes the the more there's the radical side of Blake, and then the spiritual spiritual side of Blake comes comes into play there, because I think someone like what what do you think? Why could someone like Jim Morrison, for example, when he wrote his lyrics, identify? With, with Blake and his ideas.
1: Well, um, th- again, this book, this book is, is absolutely fantastic. You, you find things here that you won't find anywhere else. And there is an interview with um, with one of his teachers in uh, UCLA, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And he enrolled in uh, Romantic Studies discipline. And his, as his final essay, he he wrote about um Swedenborg oh, yeah. and yeah. and the marriage of heaven and hell so um one thing that i find very interesting and uh, i i think i'm I, i'm you know I'm, I'm 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 seeing that in the in the interviews is that most of, of of those guys who are very much into Blake there's no such a thing as you know a superficial Mm-hmm. Um, view of Blake or this sort of very um, uh, of, of you know of of these of these um, of this very vague idea of Blake. They, they 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 read about Blake. They read biographies and they read even like academic papers and books like the ones I I showed. So um, I was I was very struck by this you know by these findings and. Um, Patty Smith, um, Bruce Dinkinson, um, Tim Blake, Gordon Giltrap, all these guys, um, Christofferson, too, Chris Christofferson. Oh, so, yeah, so you know, all those guys they they know Blake, um, quite deeply. I I would say, you know, you can't imagine how, um, how into this they are how connected to Blake they are and how curious they are and that's what i really found um fascinating because when you think of a rock star you don't think of someone who uh who would pick up a book on uh you know on theory on literature theory and knows um with uh with a bit more of detail about his involvement in, in his times and you know very um, detailed analysis of poetry and things like that. And, you know, they, they, are, they are scholars. They're not only rock musicians, they're scholars too, in a way. And I think this is the very case of of, of Jim Morrison because um, he he even wrote an essay. And I, I would love to read the essay, by the way, but there, you know, it's not there in the book, but there is this interview. And I think that, um, I think again, that, Jim Morrison, for example, he was, um, maybe he was more interested, he's, he, he was more inclined to embrace the mystic, Blake. But I think, you know, because rock is, a, it's an, it's countercultural. so rock, is, uh, it's, uh, it's a form of, uh, you know, it's a form of protest, too, against, right. you know, this sort of, um, the, the systems and society, how it goes. And uh, and I think that it's a combination. I think what varies is the percentage, you know, is the proportion of of each. But yes. maybe I think that uh, that uh, D. Morrison was more more of the mystic side of Blake.
0: I think so too. But for for Blake, I mean the the, the mystical or the spiritual and and the radical, they they belong together for him, uh, uh, like. Uh, the, the, the spiritual beliefs and the radical beliefs like you know and and I think this this fits perfectly to i mean you have this 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 quote i, I must create my own system or be enslaved by another man's things like that and this this fits to the to the whole sixties movement also and also the spiritual spiritual side with the you know taking drugs to enhance your to expand your mind and and things like that so um I think this, this fits perfectly. Do you think Blake would have would have sympathized with the with the sixties hippie movement and uh, and all these these people, or would he have? What would he this have is, thought this about? This is a, a
1: very good question. This is a very good question. <laughs> it's so good that I need to stop and think because I I never really give much thought you should, to you that.
0: Include it. You should include it in your your PhD thesis. <laughs> yes, it's
1: it's a very good question.
0: Um, or what, what would you say, or maybe you can't answer it, but w- what would he have thought about a, a festival like, like Woodstock? Would he have liked that? I mean, he, he, he was against political repression and, and his, his garden in, in Hercules Road in Lambeth, he sat there, he called it Garden of Eden, and he sat there with his wife naked, so I always wonder. Yeah. If he would have liked it.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I just, can't, I just don't see him very much into this sort of crowded thing and and and, you know this uh, multitudes and uh, packed places and you know because uh, you know the story of Woodstock and how uh how crowded it was I I don't think he would enjoy the the crowded side of it but all the rest I think he would he would approve a lot you know I think he would approve it uh, but I think in terms in terms of music, you know, like oh, I like this setting, I don't like this one. I think because there are uh, some biographic um, uh, accounts about uh, his preference, uh, musical preferences, and he seemed to be very um, keen to um, very fond of uh, folk music, like traditional yeah. traditional ballads, Scottish, Irish ballads. So I think maybe the folk ones, the more the more folkish uh, tunes, or um, uh, maybe um, an acid folk maximum. I think he would uh, he would have enjoyed. Yes, I think he was he didn't like much classic classical music. So I, I don't think he would he would approve that. But um, I think the the folk the folk settings more likely to be his
0: his choice his favorite uh, yeah probably probably um yeah you already mentioned um patty smith and i know you also met her i think uh and and she's also a blake admirer and sh- for example she wrote the song uh in my in year so how, how was she maybe influenced in, by Blake and how did she work this this influence into her music? I mean, this was later. There was late 60s, early 70s, mid-70s when, when she started.
1: Well, uh, in her interviews, she's often asked about her literary influences and Blake is always mentioned along with Rambeau and Genet and people like, you know the, the the French guys, the French uh, symbolists, and I think um, Hesse,
0: I think she's also very fond of Hermann Hesse. Uh, Hermann Hesse oh Schlepp- yes, Hesse. Hermann
1: Hesse. Yes, and and also Bolaños, uh the Mexican writer, yeah. and yes, and uh, Blake Blake has been with her since her child, since her childhood, and I think she mentions that in in her books. And she was familiar with Blake's Songs of Innocence and Experience at an early age. And if I'm not mistaken, she even held a copy back then, belonged to his mom, I think. And uh, Blake is also uh, mentioned in her memoir, Just Kids. She used to read uh, Blake's Songs of Innocence and Experience with um, uh, Robert Mapplethorpe, who was her boyfriend. And she is very much into Blake uh, to this day. And uh, she wrote the song, as you said, uh, My and Ear. But she also recites or sings, if you like, um, The Tiger. And uh, in her last performance in London, which I was lucky enough to, to be there, and so I could attend it. And uh, she, uh, it was a talk on the occasion of the launch of her latest book, Year of the Monkey. Mm-hmm. And at the end, she, she did a couple of numbers with her guitarist, Lenny Kay, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And she chanted the poem, uh, The Divine Image, which was something very new to me because I, I hadn't heard of it until then, so I was totally caught by surprise and, of course, I cried my eyes out, I was <laughs> very moved and, yeah. and I didn't expect that at all. So. And later on, I learned that she she recited some lines of the same poem in Terence Malick's films, uh, Song to Song. Have you seen this?
0: No, I haven't.
1: No, it it's just I think it's a 2017 uh, 17 film, mm-hmm. and she seems to be captivated not only by Blake's imaginative abilities, uh, poetry, and visual production, but above all by by his engagement with social issues of his time, mm-hmm. which correspond to a great extent to our current issues, you yes. know, with minor but with minor vari- variations. And um her Blake seems to be a non-conformist Blake again, <laughs> a revolutionary Blake, a radical Blake, but yes. also a lyric Blake, as as I as I told you about this sort of proportion. But I think that Blake is uh, for her, um he's um he's the more revolutionary one because she was very much into this uh, the sort of uh, her fight against social inequality, mm-hmm. uh, human rights—it's uh, still very well known, you know. And yeah. I think that he, I think that she, appreciates particularly that side of play. Yes, but she's very much into poetry. She knows a lot. She's very knowledgeable about literature and poetry. When you read her interview, she seems to be, you know, quite involved with all that—not art in general. She. I think she's, she's a genius, you know. Yes. She knows a lot about cinema. She knows a lot about literature. She knows a lot about politics, about everything. You know, yes. I, I want to be like her <laughs> someday. You're, you're on model. the right.
0: You are on, on the right track. You're, you're going to, you're on the right track to become like her. And she's wonderful. I mean, I, I've seen her live once or twice. And, and every time I fell in love again, basically, because it's yeah. a wonderful experience. It's it's great. So yeah, I mean, someone like Patty Smith and and Jim Morrison and Bob Dylan. I I think we can agree that they they also can identify with Blake because they they are basically also outsiders of society. They're outside of society, and so so did he in in his time during during his time. Um, yeah. Um, we are, you already also mentioned, and I think this for me personally is very interesting, that you talked to Bruce Dickinson of, of Iron Maiden. He also is very much influenced by Blake. And I'm a huge Iron Maiden fan and a, a huge Bruce Dickinson fan. So oh, really? I'm, I'm going to have to ask you about him. Yes, I, I am. Um, so Bruce, um, I'm going to, to say a few words about him. Uh, on his, on his solo album, The Chemical Wedding, uh, he, he, this is the one that is mostly in, influenced by Blake. It has Ghost of a Flea on, as, as the cover, and uh, he reworked and uh, did those feet in ancient time. Again, he did his own, into his own version of, of Jerusalem, basically. And um, he was also at the, at the unveiling of Blake's gravestone a few years ago at Bunny, Bunnyfield Cemetery. And if you read his biography, he also mentions Blake quite a lot. And um, yes. and uh, so you talk to him and, and how, for example, does, does Bruce Dickinson rework and retell and did those feet in ancient time in, in his version of Jerusalem? And how does he, does he use the music to underline his, his interpretation? Can you say a bit about that?
1: Yes. Uh, one thing interesting about the album, I think, is that um, he, he didn't really set the poems into music apart from Jerusalem that you know and even even there you find some you know some uh, he creates he adds some line of his own but the others are inspired by Blake and this is something that I try to deal with in my Mm -hmm. thesis because it's something quite um quite complicated because it's too abstract because when 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 I'm talking about like settings am I talking about like literally at the settings of poems or the setting of ideas of Blake or the figure because there are songs that are not about poems at all but about himself so you have this sort of immense variety Mm. of of settings of if you like appropriations of of his work and I think that what Dickinson does is something that I, I think that Blake would like it more than actual settings because I think that Blake you know Blake doesn't like this sort of the, the idea of imitation of mm. this idea of emulation and i think that he that he believes in this sort of you know minute particular so i think it's when you have the opportunity of put a bit of yourself in there so you your own blake so you personify mm. uh, you personify blake you 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 become blake your own blake in a way <laughs> and i think that this idea is more interesting I wouldn't say more interesting, but it's an os- it's another perspective, it's another way of addressing to 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 Blake in a way, and mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing that I really like about about him, yes. because you know, for example, Ghost of a the Flea, there's no such a poem like Ghost of a Flea, it's no. a painting, so right. so I, I I find quite interesting when you can uh, transform, you can set. Uh, image to music. So, you know, it's it's something very powerful to me. Yeah. And um, that's one thing I like. Uh, I'm not, nowadays, I'm not very much into heavy metal any longer. But but I find, you know, I find the concept, I find the idea, I find, you know, what he tried to do. It's something very successful, definitely. And I must tell you that the interview itself, it, 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 it took place last year. last year yes last june and the interview could have been a great fiasco if it weren't for bruce because it took me a month to (laughs) prepare a meticulous questionnaire full of references to (laughs) his career to previous interviews and magazines to uh, you know books um, his own biography i read it you know i read the whole biography you know, in tra- trying to create, trying to elaborate more, you know, some sort of sophisticated, sophisticated questions yes, yes. to impress. I don't know, but I, <laughs> I forgot to that. save the, and I I forgot to save the questionnaire on my tablet. Ooh. I took with me, and I found out in the interview, the file wasn't there. So Ooh. I panicked. I was, you know, <laughs> and I basically fled to England to do this face to face interview. So can you imagine how, how you know how miserable I felt, yes. and I didn't know how to start the interview because I was, you know, I try, I was trying to remember the questions I prepared. But luckily, he was late, oh. so I had a couple of minutes to get myself, you know, to, <laughs> to get myself together in the first place and draft something. So I, you know, I asked, uh, I asked for a piece of paper and started uh, drafting some questions. And of course, I didn't tell him that, and I hope he won't see this video. Uh, in case, okay. please forgive me mr dickinson (laughs) i
0: i i'm pretty sure he will forgive you if he if he ever sees this
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes but it it, it ended up being something like a stream of consciousness because i i just let him you know speak his mind so i i let him very freely and i think that it became something very very surprising something very Mm -hmm. rich and i felt that he was so passionate about like that i just let himself go and say whatever he wanted to say with minimal interference. And actually, the result was more interesting than I expected, in a way. I I must tell you, I was uh, tremendously surprised by how knowledgeable he is when it comes to Blake. And he seems Mm -hmm. to be much more interested in his prophetic books than in his Mm -hmm. lyrical poetry, Mm -hmm. as you you can see in the album. Mm. And uh, he, he's um, particularly interested in the amb- ambiguity and the, the complexity of figures like Laws and Albion, Jerusalem, um, Tell, the Zoas. Yes. Yes. And you can find all those figures in his prophetic books, right? Yes. And uh, he, he opened the conversation, that's something very interesting, um, discussing the presence of Blake in a film by Las Trier. Uh, the house, the Jack Beach that he had just seen um, the day before. Mm-hmm. And he starts to relate the main character to Loss, one of Blake's most important, yeah. important figures. And indeed, the, fo- the film is full of uh, direct ref- references to Blake. And after yeah. that, he spoke of Blake's importance to him um, in a personal level. He didn't seem in- much. In, uh, you know, very interested in, in talk about, you know, the so- song song by song thing, explaining mm-hmm. things. And I wasn't interested either because uh, you know, the conversation was going to a very, very interesting direction. And I, I liked that because it became quite philosophical. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I felt that he was more interested in talking about his own Blake, about how he perceived Blake system and how um, how it affected him along the years. So it ended up being a much more, as I said, like a much more philosophical conversation than an interview about an album and he mentioned books, he mentioned Peter Ackroyd's biography of Blake, you're probably familiar with.
0: And you know and
1: you could take him easily for a Blake Scholar because he knows an awful lot and but at the same time he wasn't academic at all because he was too much you yes. know there was too much of himself in that it wasn't something detached as his scholars usually do he, so he personal personalized his analysis and he uh, for example he 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 mentioned he quoted that very quote that you just um, mentioned a while ago I must create I must a create. system of yes. being enslaved by another man yeah when he when he talked about um, his um uh, he's not interested in in being, uh, you know, in taking part of things like um, Facebook, social media, social networks, and uh, he his phone. He showed me he, his his um, his phone, and it's a very old one. Yeah. He doesn't like the idea of you know this high tech things that he'll be bothered all the time by texts and and phone calls and everything. He said, like, I use it. Only when extremely necessary. Yes. But I hate it. I, I hate this sort of thing because this is now the what what enslaves men. So this is the system that enslaves men nowadays. And I found it quite, you know, so He's so profound right. in a way. And He's and right. I'm and and I was impressed that he being that you know, this superstar, this super famous guy, tries to be as detached from this the sort of of, of, of digital uh world the best he can and i think he mentions uh he mentioned he mentions that in the in the uh, you know in that the, the day in the old, old street cemetery yeah, yeah, yeah. he mm-hmm. i think he mentions something like this
0: yes he also too. i i think so too yeah i think this is uh i when i hear something like that i always feel a bit bad <laughs>
1: because uh, you feel like i'm too much in it <laughs> the, the,
0: the funny thing is I, I i i personally i really started i started really late with all these 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 things for for years i said you know i had just like him probably this old mobile phone with with just you know sending sms and, and that's that's all and and um, no whatsapp no no facebook no twitter nothing and um, I, I did this until I don't know two or three years ago. So I was very, you know, everybody at any every time someone said about something about it, I was like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not part gonna participate in that. And then I started, you know, uh, working in the media and with the media, writing for magazines, doing my own things, and and working for 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 an agent agency and stuff like that. And I started doing social media for for companies. So I thought if if you want to be it's it's a bit of a two-sided thing. If you want to be part of, or, or if you you work with the media, you have to be kind of part of it, and then you maybe you can use it the the best way possible for for yourself. You you don't have to do everything, you know, but you can do it the the way that that suits you. But I oh sometimes I think it's a
1: it's a matter of balance in the yeah, end, isn't right.
0: it? But sometimes I think maybe I should quit it all, especially when I, when I hear things like that. Things like when when but you know.
1: Yeah, he's not, but, you know, but it's it. still, you know, but still, he's got a phone, so you yeah. know, he he tries to be the minimal possible, you know, the the minimal possible, but yeah. he's not totally out of it. I think it's very difficult to be, you know, a hundred percent out yeah. of it.
0: But I think I think he's right. I think someone like like Blake would would do it the same way. He'd say this is the system, and I don't want. To, uh, to be part of yes
1: it would be very counterproductive for him (laughs) as it is for us (laughs) i always think of the books i should be reading instead of scrolling down
0: yeah that's true i feel the same way but on the other hand we would have never would never have exactly yes you know it has and
1: for example the the meetings of the Blake society you know we need to be connected we need to right yeah you know we need to join zoom for this conversation, you know, right. you're in Germany and, and, and I'm from Brazil. So I think that it's a it's a question of balance. I think right. that it's uh, um, you know the uh, um, technology makes things easier, and we, sh- we we cannot deny that. I think it's right. all a matter of balancing things.
0: Absolutely true. I absolutely agree with that, um, and yeah, especially right now during the the. the Covid times yeah. during the pandemic. Yeah, um, I also wanted to ask you. I think you you told me this uh, before, but I was interested because Bruce Dickinson. He he uh, there, there's this wonderful live video with him and Ian Anderson where they play Jerusalem, and it's very very much of a folk song, and, and all the rock and metal stuff is left out. And I love I love this version because I think this is very. Uh, it almost sounds ancient. It almost sounds as if it came from 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 Blake's period. Yes, um,
1: yes it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful um, combination. Nice. But I think they didn't record that.
0: It's it's Am only right? on YouTube and yes, yeah, on, uh,
1: only on YouTube. It was like
0: a not the best quality, but I think yeah. it's wonderful nevertheless. But how I wanted to ask you how you became uh, the translator for. For doing the the portuguese version of thick as a brick part two for ian anderson and jeff hotel
1: wow it's an it's a very crazy story because i was um i was backpacking i was in in, in, a, in, in ireland and you know after after a very uh, complicated breakup i decided to travel abroad the
0: choice yeah.
1: said, yes yes to, to find some time for myself and of course, it was. I tried to do it in a strategic way. So, I tried to to combine the trip to some concerts I would like to see and some of them I would never see in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ian Anderson um, and Jethro Tull, they play in Brazil quite regularly, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure because I have heard of uh, Martin Bear mm-hmm. leaving the band. So I was, I, I wasn't sure if I would see Thick a Brick tour in Brazil. So I tried to, you know, I, I tried to make sure that I would be able to attend that concert, along with Magic Pryor, and uh, Griffin and some other, you know, small niche bands, so to speak, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it ended up being quite, uh, quite. Uh, I think, a quite good idea. <laughs> and uh, I traveled all the way to, I was in London, um, and I traveled all the way to Newcastle, and there was some uh, some sort of accident with the tire. Oh. And um, and I got at uh, the concert because I, 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 you know, I expected to be there earlier so I could leave my, my stuff in a holster or something, but there was no time, and I got there late, and... The concert started and I was carrying like a big boron, uh, you know, the, the instrument, the Irish instrument. Mm-hmm. I, I bought a big boron and, uh, and my, my big bag with me and, you know, a small theater with very small seats. So I became a, an inconvenience for my fellow, <laughs> my fellow colleagues who were there just to see, um, to see him too. And at the end, I, I did just like everybody does in the sense that I was there in the back of the theater in the exit door waiting for him to come out and but at the time I had no no cds or whatever with me but I said like I just wanted to tell him that um I'm, I started playing flute playing the flute because of him so yeah. uh that's all I'm going to do <laughs> and when he saw me I was first thing I was the only the only person under under 50 there probably okay yeah <laughs> and I was a woman the only woman there and uh yeah, of, and he not was not like of- and with a big bag so what this alien is doing here yeah yeah. I think that was his and that was his um, impression okay. and okay. as I um, approached him to say that to say oh um just wanted to to, to thank you for your music. And I started playing the flute because of you. And said so like, what are you doing here with this <laughs> big bag? And this big, uh, and, 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 and I, w- I also carry this, you know, this boron, my, my left or right-handed can't remember and said so, oh this is an um, irish instrument i was I, i've just been in ireland <laughs> and we started uh, chatting with a very nice conversation and i told him that i studied literature and everything so I'm like oh i think i need uh, you you're exactly what i'm looking for i need a translator for uh, i think it's a breed too um uh, you know i'm uh, there'll be an anniversary edition um with a big book and i would like to to add some, some translations of you know of, of, of some yeah. language. And I like Portuguese too. And do you think you can do it? <laughs> and I said, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes, yeah. but of course I wasn't a translator. <laughs> my, my only attempt was that one, you know, back in 2004 five, when I was trying to translate Blake, but with a dictionary. So no, you know, I had no technique, I had nothing. So I accepted the, ta- the challenge and I, we just ex- exchanged emails when I was, um, um, you know, when I was confused about some things and that's how, that's how I ended up translating that. Wonderful. <laughs> that's wonderful. A fun thing, a fun thing that ended up in this sort of very, very, you know, very precious collaboration for me and very... I'm very happy to yes i was very happy to do that
0: i i can imagine i mean this is wonderful you were at the right place at the right time so, and, and this
1: exactly was- exactly and this these things are so true you know we think oh it's like it's bullshit you know it doesn't yeah, it's, it, it's, it's exactly, not like these it's, uh, it's yeah. oh, yes but yeah. I, it, it works very much for me i think my life is full of this sort of um you know of lucky things uh being the right place in the right time with the right people
0: and but this is the most exciting life this is the the, the best best way to to live a life so and and how you said you're preparing a, a portuguese translation of jerusalem of blake's jerusalem can you tell me how how this came together how this happened
1: well, i tell you what happened, and it's pretty much uh, related to Dickinson's interview, because he started, uh, you know, um, making references to all those characters uh, from his, uh, from Blake's prophetic books, and I was, you kind of, know, oh my goodness, yes, it sounds amazing, but I've got no idea whatsoever what it's talking about, and I was like, oh, yes, I agree, and well, I didn't understand a thing Mm -hmm. Um, and I said like I think um, I'll be be better start reading those those books am I a Blakey or not because (laughs) it was very difficult for me you know because um, his punctuation his constructions are so so complex it's not so it's not just a matter of language it's also a matter of of complexity of ideas, and I okay. couldn't, I couldn't get it. I couldn't yeah. reach what he meant. And yeah.
0: I think it's, I think
1: that translating it, translating it could be a, you know, the perfect op- opportunity because you know you, you need to, to read a line a thousand times to translate it, you know, to get the idea and um, to you know to translate it with some accuracy. So um, it, up, it, it started as um, a hobby or like um, in my spare time, my free time, I, uh, I'll do this, but I became completely obsessed with the text and I started uh, with the last book. So you see um, the same characters, you see like the beginning of the story um, in previous books. So it, it, it became even more difficult for me to translate it because I had no access yeah. to the other text so I wasn't that familiar with the previous text so it was just crazy for me to start you know like the other way around so start from the end not start from the beginning yes but um, but I'm completely fascinated and now I and of course I've, I've got the, 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 the interview recorded so I, I had to play it to understand now, I understand what he's, you know, what he meant, yes, what he, sure. he was talking about, and I, uh, and I feel like oh, now um, I learned. It's like I learned Blake's language, or I'm learning at least Blake's language. So mm-hmm. I think now I start to have some idea of, of, of you know, of, of his mind, of of his thoughts about things, of you know, of his yeah. philosophy, if you if you like, I, and. I, um, Yes, and I finished, I, I finished this. But of course, it's never finished because every time you read it, you find something new and you find another interpretation for things. So translating, like, I think you, you could never really finish this. You, you could just like, oh, I'm tired of you. I don't want to see you any longer. And you say you finished, but I think it's, there's no end. It's endless. And, right. But I'm, I'm, I think i'm 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 uh, trying to do some you know some um minimal alterations and uh, i'm and I'm going all the way through for like the fifth time now so and, yeah. i think it will be as because because I'm obsessive i think it would take you know it would take a time for me to to let it go
0: yes yeah, sure but then the next project will will come along um yeah if if you if you're doing Jerusalem there's also the of course the connection to London and and London is very important for for Blake in in his works and um, is there some kind of um, in in the music for example or in in the the music that that you've analyzed and the people you've talked to is there is there some kind of Is is London important for them in in a way or is the influence of London on Blake somehow important or is this only important if you're from London and in London and, and for artists that are mainly or more connected with the city?
1: Well, I think, I think that um, most people really are concerned with the importance of London to Blake are probably Londoners or English mm-hmm. people or English artists, I would say. I think it's the case of Dinkinson, for example, because he, he finds the you know England geography and England's history quite important for him to understand Blake.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but again, as I told you, um, I, I think that most art, m- most of artists they try to find their own Blake so you mm-hmm. have like Brazilian versions of Blake you know Brazilian settings of lake and nothing London has got nothing yeah. to do with that yeah. at all I th- so I, I think I think other things are more important than uh, you know London particularly than the geography where it happened and I think I, I and I think that it's pretty much um, the idea of universal literature, uh, you know, of the, of the universal writers. And I think that's the case of Blake. Of course, London, uh, in a great deal, because when you see Jerusalem, because he kind of, um, he creates a city over another city. When, he, you know, the, the, the walls, the pillars of gold of mm-hmm. Jerusalem. So it's, you know, there is a spiritual, a spiritual city and, um, and a material city and he connects them so he right. put them uh, in the same in the same area in the same geographic area so it's something quite quite new i i, I never heard of anything like that what he did
0: right and i think maybe that's...
1: just dungeons and dragons <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe yes. but i think this <laughs> that, this might be the connection i mean as you say this this everybody finds his own blake and, and reworks his own leg but i think this may be the connection when when he sees london as a visionary city and or a spiritual city and and the real city uh, this is this is one of his main topics and ideas um, the, the the things he imagined were were just as important to him as, as the real things and this is something exactly. a, a, again which could, could be said about maybe the the 60s hippie movement or rock movement the society. Yes, yes,
1: the idea of society, so the alternative societies. In a way, they are forms of Jerusalem. Fine yes. forms of you know of creating their own Jerusalem. In
0: yeah. a way. Yeah. I, I always wonder, but this is just pure speculation. I always wonder what what Blake would say about modern modern day London. I don't think the, the spirit has changed that much. In a way, I think he would re- still recognize the 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 spirit of the of the city you know there's still the rich and the poor with you know bankers in the city of london and then you've got the poor people sleeping sleeping on their on their doorsteps Yes. and you're being, you're, just being another observed, form. You're, you're being observed by cctv all over the city which is still you know you're still op- oppressed in in a kind of way and still i think it hasn't changed that much and uh
1: Yes, it's just like a, a modern, a modern London, but still the same, you know, the, the, the same old problems, but right. with the new, with a new face.
0: Right. The, the spirit's still there. I think he would still recognize the the the, yeah. the London of his day and the spirit of, of his day. So, uh, and one
1: thing, yeah, uh, yes, just one thing to to say uh, before you go on is uh, is that uh, one thing that I find uh, quite. Mm, I I don't I don't know if I quite understood it uh, because he 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 gives some sort of uh, he attributes uh, masculine or feminine qualities to yes. places too. So because you know Jerusalem is a woman and London is a man. So when when he needs to use like an article to when he refers to London, it's not like it. It's not like mm-hmm. a neutral. It's a he. Yeah. And uh, some countries are like feminine, like Erin, which is whose uh, island. Who stands for, for island? So it's a woman, and mm. London is a man. I find, you know, I would like to understand. I, I, I would love to read something, you know, some analysis about uh, about it, because um, so he sees London as like a masculine force. as a masculine spirit, because you know, things for him, they, 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 they have like they have a soul. So yeah. cities also have a soul. Have a, have qualities, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I find it quite intriguing that, cool. that he finds London, that he finds that London is a man, or is masculine.
0: Maybe someone who is watching this can can provide an answer.
1: In oh, <laughs> please!
0: But uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I think it's uh, the, there is such a thing. I have, I read this when I when I wrote my book when I did the research, but it's too far away now um i mean there is something like you know the pl- places have uh the, the, there's female places and there there are male places there is this this theory and this idea and what i find interesting is that you say blake for him londonism a, is a is a man I, I think in most of the literature that i i read and then most of the ideas about london and whatever it peter Ackroyd, Al moore whoever it is they all say that in if if you analyze london that way it's it's, it's a woman that london is a woman and i i personally i i can yes
1: for me too that's what yes. i was just about to
0: say london is a woman i i for me personally yeah. too. and and but the i think the thames it's father thames the the river is, is that's the man <laughs> you know and the, it's he's, he's the straight the straight thing that that runs through 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 london so it's father thames and maybe mother london although you, you get
1: how interesting i never thought that way for me it was just like the sort of inner feeling i've got an inner yes. feeling yes. that maybe the
0: inner it's, feeling it's,
1: it's nothing it's nothing that i could re- like rationalize it's just the right. sort of how i perceive london for me it has quite a feminine energy
0: me yeah i think absolutely i think so too yeah and it's just like you said it's, it's more of a you 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 feel it you can't explain it it's just a feeling that you have uh and this is this is very interesting um but yeah yeah you you lived in london you you said you lived in london for i think two periods of time two brief periods uh, is that right or am i wrong
1: no no it, it, it's right i've been there like mm, uh, a few times but living there twice but for brief periods mm. um, uh, six months so it's not it's not much to be that familiar with with the city and when, as as soon as you start to get used to buses and you know <laughs> how to move around it's time to go back and i find mm. it so you know so frustrating for me personally you yeah. know because for me the geography i, I feel that i am i i feel that i i'm i'm in, i integrated i feel that you know i'm there yes. when i when i when i can't, when I don't need to think much, you know I, I just can't find my way mm-hmm. in the city and and that, that's uh, that's the frustrating bit for me yeah. when, you know and I started when I started to get used to it it was time to go back. so yeah. Yeah, um, I hope to be able to stay a bit longer. I think I, I, I don't know um, we talked about this briefly. Uh, because for me it's very complicated to feel like a foreigner, to feel like an intruder. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's a very a strange feeling, and it starts with language itself. Because I'm, as you probably noticed, I'm quite talkative, and I I feel this urge to communicate. Yes, and I think that everybody has a you know their own way of uh, of of saying things, and I think this barrier of language when you have When when your repertoire is much more reduced, it's like I'm I'm in a cage in a way. So Mm -hmm. communication becomes uh, something painful to me instead of something that you know Mm -hmm. frees me. Something that made me feel like oh, I can say it the way I want to say it. So it's all about repetition. You learn some new expressions and you find them interesting and they may be useful in some. You know in some situation and you, you know and you you borrow it and you, you use it and you you don't have your own way of saying things you don't have you can't you can't put your personality mm. in words so I, I find it i find it extremely painful and this is the first thing and the second thing you know we are living in in times of hatred in times yeah. of intolerance in times of racism and um I've, I you know I've felt that uh, in in London I, no. I've been through a very very traumatic experience of racism really? in London oh. yes and uh, and it's you know here in Brazil like I'm a privileged person and uh, uh, but here too I've, I think I've been through some things uh, similar to this because I'm from the north and uh, in Brazil there's some sort of prejudice I think everywhere in the world countries there are some more privileged areas than others. Mm-hmm. And my you know, my hometown, the area where I'm from, it's a poor area. And in terms of education, you you can't find the best opportunity. So I've I've in a way I'm also a foreigner here, but mm-hmm. I think that when you're abroad, I think the 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 language thing makes things even more uh, painful. Yes. Uh, I don't know if I would be able to live abroad forever. For me, it's very, it's very, yeah. uh, it's very important to feel at home. And I, although I love, I desperately love London. I love uh, so many things about London and uh, music and everything. I don't, it, it, you know, I, and I have no, uh, no explanation for this because it's, it's not like oh, it's my, it's your parents' heritage. It's something that you know you learn to like. But it was something quite um on my own you yeah. know, something that developed on my own and i can't explain and you start thinking of those things oh it, it comes from previous lives i don't know it's just colonization cultural colonization and deal with that don't romanticize things Is you know we live in an english dominated world so it's just uh, something caught no, in this I, trap <laughs> I, I, I don't know it's something I, it's very hard to explain that and uh, I try to romanticize, but I know that's it's a bit deeper than that. You know, why too. why do I know nothing about, um, you know, about um, Guatemala? And I do know a lot about about English culture. So it's right. not just something that I I was looking uh, for, but something that is brought to me. You know, the sort of the the, the, capital, the capitalism and imperialism in culture as well. So.
0: But I I feel the same way. I I often wonder, um, because we, there are places you 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 feel more drawn to than to other places and then cultures and whatever literature, music, everything. Um, but when I was I, I was always interested in in Britain and, and British history, English literature, whatever. And when I was in London for the first time, I I I I knew London for for years, but I have never been there, you know. Before I was been there the first time, I've I've read so much about it and things like that. And then I was there for the first time, and I thought, yes, this this is it. This is the somehow the place that I belong to. And I couldn't explain it too. And I always thought, well, where where did where does this come from? You know, <laughs> uh, there, there's nothing. Wh- wh- where's where does this come from? There's where, nothing what's really
1: the logical about it. Hmm? sometimes there's nothing logical about it right and I, in the end there's some logic
0: and i always say i always say that just as you said i say it, I, I think i lived there in a former life <laughs> i think <laughs> i think I'm, that that must be the reason because some some of these streets they feel so familiar to me and, and i don't know why but i i always say i i think i, I lived there in a former life maybe but even if it's wrong it's it doesn't matter because i i I like it and i love it so uh, but
1: what about but what about the 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 bitter side of it of this sort of influence all over the world of this yes you know
0: you're absolutely right about that Uh,
1: imposition of uh, imposition of culture you
0: know right no you're absolutely right about that uh i i don't know i think it's 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 there, but not...
1: in, in, in germany is it common that people are drawn to you know to like english culture and language and, and... It,
0: i don't know we do have we do have uh funnily enough we're, we're very keen for of, on, on british crime fiction and british crime tv series they're all over german tv uh, i see but i there, there's not that much of it i mean we're, we're quite close to one country is quite close to to the other in, in terms of geography. Uh, maybe that's one of the reasons. I think, yeah, I think that the, the Germany's f- and, and Britain, they, they, although they, they don't really I, I t- how to say that uh, there is a kind of they, they like, we like Britain but i don't think the 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 people like each other you know what i mean i think there's there's something like i know exactly oh, oh, what those, you germans. Mean, yeah. oh those those britons you know they there's there's this
1: maybe some sort of um sore from the war
0: maybe uh, but this is a very <laughs> european thing this is uh, you know ah oh, those britons are oh, those french people and, and they say oh, the bloody germans and this is I think this is a very European thing because we are all we're all so close to each other, and and we have this
1: yes, and uh, and very close in power as well. So you know, right. Germany is also economically a very one of the leaders of uh, probably the leader of European Union along yes. with France. So yes. yeah. I think there is this tension with you know the Brexit proves it in a way. Yes,
0: yes, uh, definitely true. Yeah. Uh, We'll we'll see where that goes, where where Brexit uh, goes. Um, so um, so being in London was not in, an entirely positive experience for you, uh, but I I think I understand that.
1: Yeah. No, but you know, uh, um, average. It was. Uh, I would love to go back at some point, and I would love to stay longer. It's. I, I'm just saying that it's no like it's not just like, oh, um, it's not perfection. I think mm-hmm. that our idea is much more, um, uh, it's much more interesting than the actual experience sometimes, yeah. and sometimes. I think that this, this sort of rom, rom, uh, romantization of, uh, of, of yeah. war, for, for example, for us who live in South America, what uh, what is it like living in Europe and I think there are lots of uh, misconceptions there are lots of, of uh, expectations that don't correspond to reality especially you know you're, you're like a second sort of citizen in a way and yeah. um, second class citizen and uh, it's it's very complicated and that's why for me it's something it's something i, I don't i don't really like and uh, yeah you're, all, you, and you're always dealing with that somehow yeah, you know, it's something very subtle. It's not something that's, you know, it's very clear. But if you if you're a bit like sensitive, and you can you can you can feel it.
0: Yes, yes. You, do you have a favorite place in London when, when you were there? Is there something like a favorite place?
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, I think Strand area is my, my favorite place um, because I I've studied in at King's College. So in this in the central campus, Virginia Woolf's buildings and the other like the other building, mm-hmm. I forgot name. But I was always around the area, Chancery Lane mm-hmm. and near Bond, you know, Bond Street Station. And yeah. I love the area and I, you know the the, the buildings and um, courts of justice. Yeah, um, that's uh... very very beautiful building, and it you know you could. could walk uh, to, uh, to waterloo and the Waterloo bridge and uh, you you know just like a stone throw from uh, to, from um, to South bank Center and I could uh, you know I was able yeah. to see lots of interesting concerts there
0: yes and There's so
1: it, a- you know it's a very lively place a very lively area and uh, y- and you see like the old and the new there That's and the it's uh, yes and uh, there are many places very dear to me. Delaunay Cafe, um, uh, what else? Um, the, the you know walking along uh, Waterloo Bridge, um, it, it gives you a very very interesting feeling.
0: That's true.
1: Um, you know to walk by the Thames and uh, yeah, it's a very 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 interesting area. It's the most um, uh, is the area that reminds me of, of uh, the, 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 when I think of London. I think of, of Strand area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strand Street.
0: Have Have you ever been to one of the Blake locations in in London, to to his grave or to to one of his in the buildings in, in Hercules Road where he lived? Did you ever visit these places?
1: Yes. Yes. Definitely. Uh, Fountain Court, uh, Hercules Buildings. Be- uh, I think all all of the places he lived, uh, I think I've been all of them. Yeah. And I had the you know the fabulous opportunity of uh, his uh, on his birthday last year. There was um, um, a meeting, a reunion, and public Society in in his house in South Mountain Street, oh, yeah. and. I had the opportunity to go upstairs so i was there where it's he wonderful. lived and and i think that it was one of the most remarkable experiences for me and yeah um,
0: i understand so, and
1: uh, jimi hendrix lived like a, a few a few meters away from from his house he lived in the same house that hendon lived
0: right and yeah i love you're his,
1: familiar with that. yes
0: the they're very close flags. to each
1: other <laughs> yes and the, in this book i'm uh, you know this this pink book there's um, the author um, writes about uh, some songs, um, wind Christ Mary, Buddha yes. child. That um, there are references uh, to to Blake and probably uh, the fact that they lived close to each other. That, of course, in different times, but he probably passed through you know his door and he saw his name or something, and that might uh, maybe it was.
0: Maybe the place, yes. the place influenced both of them. Maybe that's again the thing about places that influence the people that live there. Maybe. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, um, yes. Thank you very much, Camilla. We've come to the end. Oh. Uh, no more questions. Thank you. And we've talked quite a long time. Um,
1: oh yes I think sorry it was, about I talk too much
0: no it was, it was fine it was very 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 nice and and uh, i really like that um i wish you all the best with your phd and i hope that very we, much, i hope that we can read it someday let me know let us know when
1: it's... yes um, yes it's 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 being written in Portuguese but you know let's, let, let's see how things go but uh, yeah I, I, because people write uh, people write you know the, the theses long long they take a long time writing theses that nobody <laughs> reads so I, <laughs> I, I I'm really trying to do something that um, can you know can be read later on I don't know but I think that's something that I will because for me, it's not just, you know, it's not for, it's not for a title, it's not for, you know, to be called like a PhD, a doctor, you know, no. you know I'm not interested in any of that. For me, it's just like to, to produce something out of my passion, because I, I think it's completely moved by passion.
0: Right, it's, yeah. It's
1: cool.
0: Yeah, you you should, you should do something with it when it's, when it's done, you know, I don't know, publish it in a way.
1: Um, yes. I hope, hope. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah so uh yeah thank you very much camilla for for being my guest for for taking your time i'm very honored
1: i'm very honored thank yes. you very
0: much thank you for listening to talks beyond time and place my name is philip rottgas my guest
1: was camilla Oliveira. music by brian kolachik